0: Amen. Hey, welcome to Word of Life again. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited. We're going to go ahead and get right into the Word uh, today. We're continuing a series that we started just a few weeks ago called Anxious for Nothing. We've been looking at this. We've been declaring that we are anxious for nothing. No matter what's going on in our lives, what's going on in our worlds, we can be anxious for nothing. Now, I just want to give you some context. I want to remind you this This sermon series was created out of my own personal work through a working through my own uh, the opportunity, you know, I'm human. And so we're all going to have anxiety that's going to try to rise up. And what do we do with it and deal with it? And so just like uh, you, I have dealt with that as it began to rise up. I had to figure out what to do with it, how to give it to God and all of those kind of things. And uh, with everything going on and so just like you I've had to deal with this so we've been looking at this and God has really revealed some really great things I I, I, I pray that like me God has blessed you and walked you through this journey and you have some better tools now to use uh, for this purpose so we've been looking at Philippians chapter 4 this is kind of the context or the really the driving passage that kind of helps us walk through this entire series Um, It's an amazing passage of scripture it defeats our own ideas of what we think should be going on But paul and uh, paul decides he says no i'm going to be led by the holy spirit I'm going to listen to the holy spirit and i'm going to pen these kind of things And so we know that paul wrote this to the philippian church. It's a letter to his friends and family But can I just remind you it was written not in a time when things were going fantastic in his life In fact, they were quite opposite Uh, He found himself imprisoned uh, waiting trial, didn't know what was going to happen, and so it wasn't like he was everything was going perfect, and man, God was doing great things, and uh, he believes, and we can see that he is believing that things are going well, but in the surface, it didn't look that way, and so we can see this, and it's in this understanding that not only uh, it, if anyone had an opportunity to have anx- anxiety in their life, it would have been Paul in this time, because not only does he find himself in prison, he's he's also changed to a guard. 24 7 and so we can see that he's got this now the other part of the whole thing is that he is not only in prison but he's awaiting trial and so he's been waiting some scholars say weeks some say months can you imagine the anxiety of waiting and waiting not only am i falsely accused falsely imprisoned but now i'm not i'm not even getting an opportunity to get my side of the story out i'm just not not getting that and so you can imagine the anxiety also reminds you that back in this time that it was rare that you would even get out of prison once they locked you in they wanted to keep you there and so whether or not he was going to get out or not was still in question so you can imagine as he's thinking about all these things or if he's ever going to get out if he gets out they're going to let him out or not let him out. He's going to be there forever. Or are they going to, they're going to tell him, you know what, we're going to put you to death. All kinds of things could have happened. So anxiety could have been rising up. And it's in this this scene and in this idea that we read these awesome words, life words from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Let me read it for you again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine Paul writing this? If anyone was at a time when they didn't want to have these life words, it would have been Paul. But Paul does. He still remembers that God's not left him. He hasn't forsaken him. And he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And, and then just to remind us one more time, because we get hard headed, I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I I think this is important. This part of the scripture is also important. Evidence to all gentleness because he could have been like, ah, I want my rights and I want this. But he actually says, let your gentleness or your moderation or what's your own will and what your desire is to let that go. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I love that. Why does he have this? It says because the Lord is near. The Lord is near you. He's near me. He was a near Paul. Paul knew this. He had that understanding that with the Bible where it says he never leaves me, he never forsakes me. He knew that. And so the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we give praise. Remember, we have a posture of praise. We're saying, God, we love you. We're going to give you that perspective of praise like we talked about last week. So we're praising him. Present your requests to God and the peace of God. The peace of God will transcend all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine a time when you can have a peace of God, a peace of mind in the middle of a situation like that? Maybe your mind has been racing through all of this stuff that's been going on, or maybe it has nothing to do with our current world pandemic Maybe it's something completely different, and your mind is racing. God says we can have a peace of mind. Even when you're overwhelmed by everything and all of the chores and all of the homeschooling and all of the whatever that's going on, we can have a peace of mind. Uncertain, talk about uncertain times. We've heard this so many times, this quote, we're in uncertain times. Well, it does feel uncertain. It's kind of shaky. We don't know what's going on. But he says peace of mind, pressure, fear can come, and all of this. Now, I realize that uh, that. During this time, one of the biggest forms or fruits of anxiety is the inability to make great decisions. Uh, I've said it before that when anytime you have an unclear or a fuzzy vision, it's really difficult to make good decisions. And it's in this idea. In fact, scientists say there's actually a, 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 ver- a word called anxiety decision disorder that they have had this. Now, I'm not claiming that over us, but it's become a thing. And so understand that it's it's in this idea that it's just often when we make, when we find ourselves in this place, we can, we just typically, we make bad decisions. And so we're looking at this. And so our final installment of this series today in Anxious for Nothing is this, when you just can't decide. What do you do when we just can't make a decision? Anxiety is rising up. We're going to look at that today because God says he wants to guard your heart's and your minds that passes, uh, transcends all understanding. He wants to give you a peace. Let's go before the Lord right now and just ask for that peace as we continue in this series. Father, we love you and we praise you. God, you are so good. You are so mighty. You are so awesome. God, we recognize that we need you, Then as anxiety rises up, we can be anxious for nothing, only through you and in you. We ask this now, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us, you would teach us, God, we give our petitions and prayers to you. We give our worries. We give it to you now. Father, let that peace that passes all understanding enter our hearts right now, that we might hear your word, we might move forward, we might further the kingdom, that your will be done. We love you, Father, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. I just sense this peace. Making decisions, and the very small of it all, is stressful in general making decisions is stressful and we're not inherently great decision makers always and so if you add stress on top of that boy it's really difficult how many times have you ever gone for instance let me just kind of explain how many times you said you know what let's go out to dinner tonight honey okay great we're going to go out to dinner where would you like to go well I don't know where would you want to go well I don't know where you want to go I don't know, and almost where you can't decide, and then you be getting to fight, and you're like, yeah, forget it, we're going home. The Decisions are hard, and so you add extra stress, so the more you can't decide, the more you get stressed and all of this, and then you make rash decisions that are not always great. Bad decisions we typically do not do well, especially if we're in anxiety, we're anxious, we're having an anxious time. Maybe you are dealing with some anxiety with what to do, what not to do. I, I know that, that it's rised up in me. It's tried to rise up in me uh, talking about when church, you know, when we're going to have church face-to-face again, how we're going to do it, what's that going to look like, what should we do, what should we do, when should we do it, how should we do it, and watching other churches, other states, uh, other counties, what they're doing, what they're not. It's like, ah, how do you make a right decision? Maybe you're like, once this is the quarantine's over, do I go ahead and visit family? Do I not visit family? Can I visit them now because our county doesn't have, uh, you know, a, a lot of cases? Or what? What do we do? What decisions? And last, uh, earlier this week, we we saw Miss Tracy, and she had on our Facebook page. She put a great word, word for thought. Uh, what's in our heart? What are we doing? What kind of decision we're making based on what our heart is? And so it's all of this that brings a lot of stress. Can I just talk to our high school students right now. All of the high school seniors that are graduating this year, I can realize there is a lot of stress on you. You're like, okay, I'm graduating now. Now You're almost like it's, okay, I've understood the idea that I'm not going to have the normal graduation. You get past this, but now you're thinking – Am I still going to be able to go to college? Do I should I take a gap year? Is is am I going to when it's time for college to start? Is it actually going to be starting, or am I going to be in homeschool? Ah, a lot of stress. Maybe you are in a relationship, uh, and and you're finding yourself, and you're like, is this the right relationship? There's some signs. I don't know if this is right. Should I cut my losses and get out, or not? If you're if you're married, you stay in in Jesus name, and, and we want to counsel you through it. But if you're you're you're, you're young single and you're looking, and you're like, ah. What's this, the right relationship? It can be really stressful. Maybe you're dealing with uh, a, a, an ailment. A doctor uh, has given you a report, and you're like, well, is this the right doctor? Should I get a second opinion? He wants you to do a procedure. Or she wants you to do a procedure. Should I do that procedure now or later? Or all of this, ah, all of this stuff, should I rent or buy a house in the recession time? They're saying about this recession coming up. Should I buy a house or rent a house? What's going to be better bang for my buck? How about a new vehicle? Should I buy a new vehicle There's oh, a big payment? But if I get an old old vehicle, I'm going to have – might have repairs that might supersede how much I would spend on a payment. Ah, what do we do? It's just so complicated. It gets so complicated. It gets so muddy. It gets so difficult to – Make a decision. I've read a lot of articles, I've seen a lot of things, and they say, whoever they is, the scientists, psychologists, statisticians, whatever they say, they say that we are actually living in an age of anxiety. Now, I'm not claiming that, it's just what they're saying, and they're saying that we're in a more anxious time than ever before, because, uh, well, nothing else, technology, the superhighway, information highway, of all this information, so we know a lot more, and so it becomes more complicated why is it so complicated well i think there's two reasons two reasons i'll look at the first reason is this we have too many choices we just have too many choices i mean we have a paradox of choices over more options now we would think more options would make it easier not true more difficult i know each one of you have decided you know what let's as a family let's sit down and let's watch a movie today and they're like, okay, great. So you pull up your favorite streaming service or, or get out your mo- rent-a-movie, go to rent-a-movie, whatever. There's, you're looking through. There's all these choices, all these choices. I've done this. I'm flipping through Netflix, and I'm going, okay, not this one, this one, this one. There's so many choices. And finally, three hours later, I'm like, I don't know what to watch. Forget it. I'm going to bed. I spent all my movie time trying to find a movie. And you would think it would be easier because there's so many choices. But in fact, it's more difficult because there's too many Choices. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy how many choices we have. And so I I do, I will say this, less choices are often better. Just recently, uh, well, back in October, I was on on an international flight. I had the opportunity, long, boring flight, and uh, they have, it's cool because they have these movie screens on your seats now. Uh, they probably had them always. I'm just, I don't travel that often. And so they have these movie screens, and I'm like, whoa, cool. And they have only have like seven movies to choose from. Well, I have a long, boring flight. I can watch four of them. It was easy to make a decision because there were less choices. So many choices, too many choices. It just feels overwhelming. I, I've been looking through, and as I'm doing a study, I've looked at some different articles uh, different about decisions. Do you know that scientists say that kids make anywhere from 3,000 to 3,500 decisions a day? Kids from 2 years old to 12 years old is, is kind of the age bracket. Between 3 and 3,500 decisions, 3,000 to 3,500 decisions a day. And adults make 30 to 3,500 decisions in a day. You know what's interesting? You notice there's about a 500 difference or 5,000 difference decision between the first number and the last number it's because the scientists can't even agree they can't even make a decision on how many decisions we make every day it's crazy isn't it crazy and this, so we have this thing and they're like if the researchers can't how can we make decisions we have too many choices the second thing is we're too afraid to make a costly mistake we don't want to make a decision because we're afraid oh man it's going to mess up things or if you've been in church a little while They're like, I don't want to get out of God's will. I don't want to miss God's will. We have this this fairy tale that's been told to us all of the time. Hey, don't wait. You're going to wait for the one. There's the one, the perfect one for you. Okay, the one. Or if you read a devotion, any devotion, it's often about pursuing your purpose, which is good. And it's telling you this. And we also, preachers like myself and all over, say, hey, live for God. Live for God's will. Find God's will. But what if we miss the one? How about that anxiety of missing the one? Maybe you're like, oh, man, I I don't know if I'm going to find the one or not. What if, if, who knows, what if you were in the grocery store and you actually laid eyes on the one, but you didn't notice it and you missed it, and now you're not going to have the one because now they're with someone else and you're just going to worship God the rest of your life all alone and lonely. What if what if you're going to pursue God the purpose of God in your life for so long You find yourself pursuing and looking and searching so long you find yourself 80 years old and still haven't found your purpose You're like I want to live in God's will What if I miss it? What if I don't get it? I don't want to mess up. I'm not sure what to do. So we find ourselves not Just uh, hesitating procrastinating. We just kind of freeze And we don't do anything Indecision, I'll just tell you this, indecision is often a decision. And it's the decision that we often make, and that's what we live in. It's just so complicated. It's so complicated. So today I want to try to uncomplicate it, not according to my ideas, what my thoughts are, but according to what God's word says. I believe that there's some answers here if we'll dig into it. I believe that God is going to tell us some spiritual truths we don't want to complicate it. So can I just tell you this? If it seems complicated, don't complicate it. Just don't complicate it. And so I think there's one simple thought. I believe this is a spiritual principle we'll look at today. I want to answer this idea of why is it so complicated by a powerful story in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, and let me just give you some context. All, uh, there's a bunch of leaders that are coming together, and they're trying to resolve and trying to figure out some very complicated doctrinal uh, 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 issues within the church. The, the, they're finding themselves in a whole new world. They had been following one kind of doctrine. Jesus comes on the scene. He brings life. He brings it. Uh, uh, brings this new life and this understanding. And so we have this brand new thing, and they're trying to not navigate now what, what it looks like. Uh, so Paul, James, and Barnabas—they're going. They were—they were enlisted to go to Jerusalem to meet with these leaders about these controversial issues and try to figure out. Now, imagine this is really serious because actually, even today, what what they decided back then is what we kind of walk through today. And so they maybe they foresaw how how much this was going to make, or maybe not. But this is serious. But what I do see about it is that it is complicated. It wasn't clear. It was there could have been a lot of anxiety. And so we can find ourselves in this situation. We can understand the scene and understand where they're coming from. So they want to help some answers. So some of the things, some of the issues was about eating. What they should eat, what they shouldn't eat. There were some real restrictions and now does that change and what's that look like? And they talked about that. But I think even more more, more serious than that was about the fact that Gentiles were now received or accepted into the kingdom of God. Gentiles were not looked at as well from Jew to Gentile, but now Jesus receives us as you are a Gentile, I'm a Gentile, and so he receives us into his relationship, in relationship with him, and so they're trying to walk through that about what a believer. Before, in order to be a believer, you had to be circumcised. Ooh, I can't believe I just did that, circumcision. That's scary. Sorry, didn't mean to scare anybody on that. But they're talking about this real serious issue. This was an outward sign of an inward work. Should they still have to do this? This is really serious. Can you imagine if today, in today's society, if we decided, you know what? If you want to be a member of Word of Life Family Church, come on up today. We're going to circumcise everybody that's ready to become a member. I don't know how many members we would have today. This is the kind of issues that they were trying to work out. Can you imagine the anxiety, the question? This was a big deal. And so we find in Acts chapter 15, verse 20 through I'm going to look through here. We're going to read through it. And I'm going to see you're going to see three. You're going to see this word seems good. You're going to see this three different times through this passage. It seems good. And we're going to point that out as we read this scripture in verse 22. It says chapter 15 of Acts. Then it seems good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Verse 25. It seemed good to us. See, that seems good. If you hear that, just type in seems good. It seems good to us, having become one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Paul and Barnabas. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit to, and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. Simple. Okay, Pastor. According to that, it's simple, right? It's simple then. It just whatever seems right, whatever feels right. And this is a doctrine, and an idea that the world has. Hey, if it feels good, do it. If it's, it's fine. But I would not be a great minister if I didn't remind you, according to Proverbs chapter 14, a scripture very plain, and there's many others. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, there is, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death there's many other scriptures like this so so it seemed right to them but at the same time we see this scripture there's a way that seems right to a man but it ends in death and and, and why does this take into account well let me tell you if you this you've all we've all probably done made a bad decision we've probably done something that was hey yeah let's go for it and realize who that was a bad decision often we do that because we're in the wrong we're with the wrong people and Listening to the wrong voices and living in the wrong values and what seems right will often be wrong Have you ever been in the wrong crowd? You know those added. Oh, hey, I I can do that. Hey, hold my beer. We're going for it It's a bad decision. anytime. It leads off with that is a bad decision and you think it's a good decision But we're in the wrong. We're with the wrong people. We're listening to the wrong voices we're living in the wrong values. And it seems right, but it's so wrong. What seems right will be wrong. We're in the wrong crowd. What doing right seems right when you're in the wrong crowd. Be careful of that. So how could Paul, James, Barnabas, all of these other church leaders, how could they feel comfortable? How could they make decisions about serious decisions about doctrines, church direction, eternal destiny? How could they do what seemed right with that and look well the answer i think is in the same passage and i think we'll investigate it a little bit more and and, i think we overlooked it so sometimes we do that we read through passage and we pick out what we like and we miss the extra that's in it that's why it's so important to get into his word constantly read and meditate on god's word because it's living and its active it will reveal new stuff so we don't want to miss any truths so let's go back verse 22 Acts chapter 15 it says then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church so it seemed good with the whole church not just seemed good to those guys it seemed good with the whole church to choose men verse 25 it seemed good to us having become of one mind to select men and verse 28 for it seemed good to the holy spirit you can see that there are there's a big difference Between what seems right to a man, which leads to death, and it's what seems right when you are with a group of faith-filled, devil-kicking, spirit-filled, mountain-moving disciples of Jesus... Hey, when they go and they're searching God, when they're seeking his heart and they're listening to his voice with the whole church in one accord, everyone unified. Now, let me just tell you this. It's not talking about a church building. It's talking about being in one accord, being in the kingdom of God, saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, looking to his scripture, looking to seek God as they are with one mind one church in unity in fellowship in agreement one spirit then it seems right it's not a loner thing it's not a your lone ranger type thing it's it's getting confirmation through god's word through counsel through ideas of this we don't have to complicate it don't complicate it if it's big enough i said this before as we started this whole series If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Can we just recap some of that? If it's big enough to worry about, we said in our first installment, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about it. We talked about that anxiety is a signal. It's not a sin. It's a signal that there's something wrong alerting us that it's time to pray. It's time to seek God. It's time to look at a deeper answer. We don't always say, we said that we don't always have control over life and what's going out. We don't we don't have those controls, but we always have a power the power to surrender, to give it to God, to say, God, have your way, do your thing. And we don't we as we begin to have a perspective of praise, we're saying, God, I'm gonna praise you, not because of the what, but because of the who. A perspective of praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. It's with that posture of praise, that praise and that perspective of that posture of prayer and that perspective of praise that we will seek God. Seek God and do what seems right. It's in the counsel of the father. You don't have to make a decision without him. He says he'll never leave you. Draw yourself to him and let him do it. This is one of my favorite scriptures of all time. This is my this this particular scripture, Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three, is my all-time scripture. This is a thing that has gotten me through. God has counseled me and talked to or walked through me. It says, "But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness." And all of these things that we're trying to make decisions about, all of these decisions, all of these things will be given to you as well. There'll be an answer. That peace of God that transcends all understanding will come upon you. So we can see now. I'm going to read the Passion translation of this. I, I love the way it says this. In in chapter uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, it says so above all. This is the Passion. So above all constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all of these in less important things, you say less important yeah, because when we have a view of God, all of the other things become less important. Anxiety depletes, and now we have a clear picture. It says, then the less of these, the less all the, these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We can just rest in that. I like the adage. I heard a, a pastor, and I've, I've used this many times in our own church. I heard a pastor use the analogy of, of this whole thing by driving by GPS. We all have GPS, and it tells you, okay, it tells you, okay, you're going to run. It says, okay, and, you know, three three miles, you're going to make a right. You're going to make a right. Okay. And so you're leading up, and all of a sudden it says, take a right. And you're like, wait, uh. And, and you, have, you ever had this, like, okay, I don't know where I am. It says take a right now, but there's actually a right right here, and there's a right just like another 50 yards. Is it right here or here? And so we make the wrong, like, ah, uh, and we make the wrong decision, and we're about to pass, ah, uh, and we mess up, ah, uh, we mess up, miss out. And this is kind of how we feel as we're making decisions. Is this the spot right here? Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And we're like, I don't want to make mistakes. But I just want to bring some freedom today. I want to to make sure you understand and know that God is so good. He's so perfect. In Romans chapter 8 verse 28 it says. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. What am I saying? If we make the wrong turn God's still working. Even if we make a wrong decision, it's not a desire. Our desire is to make the right one. But even if we do, let the anxiousness of making a decision go away. And know that God, God only God can do this. But God can work all things for our good for those who love him. If we make a wrong turn, God's still working. Paul found himself in prison. I'm going to say that was, felt like a wrong turn. He felt himself in prison. What has happened to me? And he says this, what has happened to me is actually advancing the gospel. You see how it recorrected because all things work together for good for those. You know, in a GPS, when you make the wrong, it, it instantly, it doesn't yell at you. I can't believe you did that. You're never going to get there. Ah, No, it says very gently and in, in a British accent, typically, mine says British, rerouting. And it instantly finds a new route, a new opportunity. One wrong turn didn't lead me astray forever. It just simply reroutes me right back. And that's the way God works. Be anxious for nothing. Yes, there's a lot of decisions to be made. Yes, some of them are more serious than others. But God has the answer for everything. And even if we make a mistake and we make a wrong choice or decision or wrong turn, God says, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to make all things work for your good. It may be a different path, but God's going to get you on his path. That's his desire. That's his will. That's who he is. God is good. God has a way of bringing bad decisions, bad turns, and making good things out of those like for instance i don't you you might be saying oh man i shouldn't have dated him i shouldn't have dated her i shouldn't have been there but now because of this now you understand what's right and what's wrong what a good relationship is and what a, hey i'm not saying that's the best path i'm just saying that god can use that to fortify your next path to make it now you know how to find a godly spouse now you know what not to go for right or you're like, oh, I shouldn't have trusted that, That you know, I shouldn't have trusted that person hurt me. Or we talk about offenses and we talk about forgiveness. Now we've been given the opportunity to learn about forgiveness and how to forgive, how to grow beyond that, how to grow through that forgiveness. And you're like, oh, I trusted that person. They totally let me down. Now my life is over. No, it's not over. God is allowed now. We'll use that that thing. That's a horrible thing. And now he'll use that to redirect your path and more fortify you and your faith now you know and you learn about forgiveness and how to give forgiveness oh man i shouldn't have been so stupid making that decision i can't believe that was the decision i made oh man i hate that listen god says i understand and i'm going to have my grace and my grace is sufficient for you and now we can live in that grace to know I'm not going to make that again because God forgave me. I see my error of my ways. I'm not going to continue to walk in that way. Thank you, God, for redirecting me and re- receiving me. This whole series started with me at a personal struggle of trying to find the inability to make decisions in the world that we're living in as a pastor leading a church. As a man leading his family. And, and, and how to decide and deciding on the even deciding on this series and the church and issues of life and all of the things But you know what? I thank god Because I think and I what I believe and what i've already seen i've heard testimony already that through this God though, I don't know if this was ideal for god. I don't I don't you know I don't believe god does bad things, but I have seen that he has realigned our focus he has redirected. He is making all things good for those who love them. So now we have a better understanding how to walk through a problem, a challenge, an issue. When anxiety rises up, I've learned. I think you've learned. We've learned how to we've been given the tools that God has thought of it all and that we can walk through it. We've been more firmly planted. I don't think it was the perfect will for God, but it's in God that he redirects and makes Things perfect. I think he woke us up. I think it's kind of woken up. And I, I, I'm laughing at the enemy. saying, you devil, you thought you were going to take us out. You thought you were going to really mess it up. No, no, you've only wake, woken the spiritual giant within me. Now I'm really angry. I've got a holy fire anger. And I'm ready to say, not, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to make decisions based on God and God alone. God is with me. He's not. He's for me, not against me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We've got this. So Satan, the enemy, you have woken spiritual giants. I believe that. And now we're not going to let anxiety and fear anymore. Now we understand we have the tools. We've been woken up in Jesus' name. Don't complicate it. Don't complicate it. Go to the Father. Now it's with this idea that we take a posture. With a posture of prayer, perspective of praise. That we will seek God. We surrender to you Father. We seek God. For what seems right. Philippians chapter 4 again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every Every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving presents your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God's got it. It's all through Christ. Can I remind you that this is only available through receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the promise. I'm going to ask you to take this opportunity. I can't leave the broadcast without making sure that you have the opportunity to receive life and life more abundantly through Christ Jesus. That right relationship with God. The Bible says the only way to heaven, the only way to that relationship is through Jesus receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. He said if you believe in your heart, confess in your mouth that he is Lord, he will will receive you in and graft you into the family. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me in just a moment. Let's go before the Lord today. Father, we love you. We thank you for this series that you've walked us through. Father, though anxiety will try to rise up through the circumstances of life and all that we encounter in life, but Father, I thank you that you have thought of it all, that you have given us, Holy Spirit, the power of you, Father, in us to make great decisions to lean on you, to be our comforter, to be our counselor, to be our lead, to be our guide. Father, we pray that we would we would diligently seek you. And you said that those that will diligently seek you, you will bring reward to them. Father, we receive that now in Jesus' name. More importantly, Father, we receive the opportunity that it comes through Christ. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that all through the, the waves and through the homes and all places that people are watching right now, That they are wooed by Holy Spirit, compelling them to want to know you more. Father, I pray this now in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, you are so good. I receive you as my God. I need you. Thank you for sending Jesus to take away my sin. I needed a Savior. I need a Savior. I receive you, Jesus, into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. God is so good. The Bible says, I'll say it again, all heaven stops, all their serious heaven business, and stops and begins to cheer and shout and celebrate. Even one receives Christ as their Lord and Savior. The kingdom is advancing in Jesus' name. I believe it. I want to say thank you. Hey, if you've received Jesus for the first time, or you renewing your commitment? Don't forget to contact us. I want to pray with you. I've got a gift for you. We just want to love on you. We want to welcome you to the family of God. I want to say thank you for, for being willing to surrender and letting God do what God does best. Listen, we're anxious for nothing. We can be anxious for nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to remind you, if we can just take a moment, remind you to please continue to send in your offerings, your tithes, as we support this. We're going to support the ministry. We're still going out. We're still preaching the gospel. Though we can't see it face-to-face, I believe the kingdom of God is advancing. And so thank you for continuing to be uh, faithful in your support. Keep sending in. You can go to our website, wordoflifefamilychurch.org. It's on your screen. Or you can text the number right now and you can just text uh, right to that and go for it. Or you can simply mail in your payment, your tithe or your offering or any special offerings to the address below as well. I want to say thank you. I want to pray over your your finances as you decide to give. Uh, I thank you that you are a cheerful giver and that God is going to take care of you. Let me pray this over you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all those that are willing to give and sacrifice and say, I'm going to give my finances. I see the importance. God, thank you for giving the ability to have these finances. Now we dedicate it to you because, we, Father, we know that you will give it back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And, Father, it's through these finances and through this giving and this surrender, Father, we declare that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom is advancing In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Bless each person, financially, mentally, physically, healthily. Father, every ailment in their body, heal them now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for it. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen god bless you hey thanks again for joining us don't forget to like and share and comment hey watch it later again and just start a watch party maybe later in the week and just remind people of this you are digital evangelists spread the gospel spread the good news god can do awesome and many things i just want to pray a blessing over you before we go father in the name of jesus i thank you for every person watching father every every home that's represented Now I pray a blessing over them. No evil shall befall them. No plague come, neither dwelling. That you would send your angels to take charge over them and keep them, protect them, and all that they are and all that they do. We declare they they are the head and not the tail above and not beneath. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may you receive the grace and the peace as you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We love you. We'll see you again in Jesus' name. Bye-bye.